0: Listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California.
1: Living in between two very strategic moments in time, in history. Um, We've been talking about the the fact that several thousand years ago, Jesus came to this earth, and when he came, he, he came with a very strategic mission. And when he came, he came to completely and forever alter the history of our of our world. And when he came as a little baby, he came as the Messiah, as the coming king that we had been hearing about, that people had been anticipating through prophecies of the prophets for, forever. And through Scripture, they had been anticipating this moment. And when he arrived in the form of a little baby born in a manger, it blew the world away that saw because it was completely wrong. It was completely not the way that they expected for it to happen. And yet, in that moment of time, he forever changed everything. And the Bible says that when we look back at that point in time, it was, it was the moment when the Messiah, the Anointed One, came and brought salvation for us. And as we look at this sign right here, it says the anointed arrival. It, it is a representation for us tonight of a point, a very strategic point in time. And when this, this point in time occurred, it brought with it a period of time that you and I live with right now. When Jesus was here on the earth, he walked with us for 33 years, and then he left. And when he left, he left with some promises and with some spoken words and with some very specific instructions of what he wanted to see happen while he was gone. But then he also said, the day will come when I will return to this world again and I will return for you. And we look forward to the return of Christ, but it hasn't happened yet. And so you and I sit here tonight and find ourselves living in between these two points in time. The time between Jesus' coming to the earth and waiting for the time when Jesus will return again to the earth. The Bible says to us that you and I really are like strangers on this planet. This really, this planet really is not our home. The Bible says that we're like sojourners, just passing through. And as a result of that, everything around us and everything in this society and in this culture feels very temporary. Feels very much like it's always changing. And you and I find ourselves longing for something permanent. Longing for something that is, that is steady, something that will never change. You and I find ourselves longing for our true home. In Luke chapter 9, I want to share with you a short passage that Jesus is talking to his followers. Verse 9, 57, it says, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus replied by saying, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. He said to another person, come, be my disciple. The man agreed, but then he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus replied, let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus makes a really interesting statement here in this verse. He says, The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He said, Even the animals have a place that they call home. But he says, I'm here, and this is not my home. And he was talking to his followers who he was saying, I want you to come and I want you to be like me. I want you to come and I want you to put on my way of thinking, my way of life, my teaching. I want to be your teacher. I want you to be my followers. Jesus says to his followers, this world is not home. And then he takes it a step further as we study in Scripture and we find that there are Many places where Jesus begins to articulate things about a different place that he called home. And every time he did, he linked it up to God, our Father. Every time he said, Do you really want to know what home is? he was talking about where God is. I'd like to say something to you tonight that without God in your life, you are homeless. We are homeless without God. I've got a friend of here, here tonight that I want to bring up. Jeff, come on up here. Jeff wrote a song that we're going to listen to here tonight in just a minute. And it speaks of this concept of being homeless. And, and, and at a deeper level, it speaks of this concept of being without God in your life. And how without God in our life that we truly don't have that permanent, steady place that we can call home. And we want it so bad, but we don't, we don't quite have it. I'd like for you to listen to a short video before Jeff plays. And listen to the words of this man as he's talking.
0: And that's how I know I got the love that got me. When i cry for you, then I got the love. But I'm still gonna carry it. And that's how I know I got the love that got me. When i cry for you, I got the love. It ain't got nothing to do with what the hell I am. Mm -hmm. It's everything about you. It has nothing to do with who I am. I ain't nothing. I sit out there and pan I'll drink my damn beer in front of you. I'll tell you everything I am. What I hurt first, what you feel. You don't have to. You don't have to be confused. You don't have. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Jesus did it for us. Yep. I'm sorry.
2: Long ago, there's nothing more to say. I changed, but I don't know no the way. It's so cold out here, it's so alone. As the wind rips down the side that's my home There's a stirring in my soul An emptiness things I've done I never thought I'd reach this end with loneliness in the bottle, my best friend but it's cold out here it's so alone as the wind rips down the Sally, that's my home. Oh, but I heard somewhere of a man with the nail scars in his hand. Oh, I heard somewhere long ago one was. The crown of Thor. Yeah, way back down the track, he bore the stripes upon his back. I heard somewhere of a man with the nail scar. Well, I can't turn back the clock. There's no, I feel I'm ground to powder by a rock. Can't think how things might have been. Me free, cause it's cold out here and so alone. As I kneel down in the alley before the throne, oh, because I heard somewhere. Still scars in his hand. I heard somewhere long ago one was born. I oh, wore the crown of thorn. Oh, yeah, way back. i mm-hmm. I okay. me want to come back home.
1: Yes, brother you know there's uh all of us can relate to moments in our life when we say, like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than this. You know, we look around and we look at this world and, and uh, even those of us that think that we've got things figured out and think that we have a grasp on on right and wrong and and good and bad and justice and injustice, there's moments in all of our life when we look around and we say, there's, there's gotta be more than what I see. There's gotta be more to this puzzle than, than what's laid before me right now because it just doesn't feel complete. And we do the best we can with it. We, we, you know, try to fit in here and we try to fit in there. We try to get comfortable. We try to do what we can to make the best with the situation that we find ourselves in. But at the end of the day, there's something in every single one of us here tonight that feels like there's a lock that needs a key that can never quite be turned. I read a quote one time by an author. His name was C.S. Lewis. And I think it summarized this point very poignantly. He said, If I have a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, And the only explanation is that I was made for another world. If you have something in you, a desire that can never be satisfied, what do you do with that? What does that mean to you? And believe me, in this room sitting here right now, there isn't a single thing that hasn't been tried. I guarantee it. I know many of you, and I know what you've done. And there isn't a single thing that we could point to in this room and say, oh, you probably need to go try that, and then maybe you would find what you're looking for. No, we've done it all. Collectively, in this room, we've done it all. And yet, many of us have found that sense of not completely being satisfied. In John chapter 14, Jesus was getting ready to end his time here on earth. And he's having a discussion with his best friends, with his followers, and he's laying some things out for them that they really needed to hear. And this is one of the things that he says in the middle of this lengthy conversation with him. He says these powerful words to him. He says, Don't be troubled. Trust God. Now trust in me. He says, There are many rooms in my father's home And I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. He says, if this wasn't so, I would tell you plainly. But when everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so that you always be with me. Because where I am and you know where I am going and how to get there. And Thomas said, no, Lord, we don't know. We haven't any idea where you're going. So how can we know how to get there or know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, I'm the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In this short little section of this really long conversation... Jesus cuts right to the heart of the matter and he says, I know you guys are scared right now because you've been following me and you've been walking with me and I am telling you that things are about to change drastically. But he says, I want you to trust me. And in this short little conversation piece here, he says, I'm going to give you peace to be able to handle this next phase of the journey of your life because I'm not going to be here in person with you anymore and I'm going to give you my peace to be able to help you through this time that you're getting ready to go through. But even deeper, Jesus says, I want you to see the big picture. He says, take your eyes off of the small picture, which is this world and and, and the things that you call home. And he says, I want you to look somewhere else for your home. And he says, the place that I want you to look to is the place that I am going. And he says, I am going to go there and I am going to prepare it for you. I'm going to go get it ready. I am going to go before you and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. I'm going to return for you. The picture that Jesus lays out in this short passage is the picture of the brother. In scripture, Jesus actually refers to himself as our brother. And in this story, what he was saying is, look, I'm your big brother, and I know where home is. And I am going go back, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And we know through Scripture that Jesus was sent from God to come and find us and bring us back to the Father, to bring us back to our home. And so in this story, Jesus says, I'm not going to forget about you. I'm going to come back for you. But first, I have to go get things ready. And tonight as we, as we think about this, this situation that we find ourselves living in, we relate in a small way to a person that doesn't have a home. We relate to that feeling of being put out, of being to a place to where you can't ever fully rest. You can't ever fully get comfortable. You can't ever fully just kick back and relax because we are exiled. We're not home. We've been put out from our real home. And God wants to bring us back. Last week we talked about the story of God in the beginning when he created Adam and Eve and how they had a perfect home. And because of sin, it came in and it wrecked our home. It wrecked our home. And Jesus and God had to put us out because of what had happened. And in this story, and all through scripture, we find this amazing truth, this amazing simplistic truth of the gospel of Christ that says that when we open our hearts up to Christ, we find home. That when we open our hearts up to God, we find home again. And we come into that connection with that safe place. We come into that connection with that substance, with that permanence. Wednesday night at Gravity Flow, we were talking about hope. And we were talking about how in Scripture it says that when we have hope in our life, it's like this mighty anchor that holds us secure. And no matter what happens in our life, no matter how rocky the waves get, no matter how tumultuous our life becomes, this hope, this anchor holds us steady. It keeps us from moving. It keeps us from drifting. It keeps us from going to and fro. And that hope is the hope of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 55, I want to read this scripture to you. Because we're very aware that when we open our doors every week, there are people that come through that are seeking something more than what they've seen in this world. That they're seeking for something more than what they've been able to find within themselves. And we know that many times people are looking for something that they can't give themselves. And this Old Testament prophet Isaiah says it so poignantly. He asks the question that I would ask to you tonight. He says, "Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen, and I will tell you where to get food that is good for your soul. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, for the life of your soul is at stake. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him now while He is near Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Are you thirsty tonight? You may say, yeah, I'm thirsty but I don't know if I have what it takes to take what you're offering. In other words, what you're saying is, I don't have the currency required to make the exchange. In other words, what you're saying is, I get that you're offering something to drink, but I don't know that I can pay for that drink. And God says, you don't even have to have money. It's free. Are you thirsty tonight? Some of you really, if I ask that question, you say, yeah, I'm thirsty But you're not convinced that God will satisfy your quench or will quench your thirst. You're not sure that God can give you what you really want. And you're still looking around this world. You're still looking over here and you're just going, oh, here it is. It's a career. This is what I need. If I could just get this career going, (laughs) I would be satisfied. I'd be completely fulfilled. All of my bills would be paid. I would have a sense of self-esteem and everything that I am fighting against right now. If I just had my career, it would be all good. Some of you are like, I tried the career thing. It's just, you know, I got kind of tired of the whole, I have to get out of bed to go to work thing. Why can't you have a career and not go to work? So, let's see here. Oh, look at this. Oh, man. This is what I need. It's a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend. This is what I need. I need this hot thing right here. This is what I need. If I could just have this oh, my heart would be satisfied. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. I just need somebody to take away the loneliness. I just need somebody to just make me feel like I'm seen. But many of you have been down that road, and you know that the best of relationships sometimes don't give you the drink that you're looking for, and you still end up thirsty. I want to tell you something tonight, whether you believe me or not, there's only one thing that can satisfy your thirst, and it's not of this world. And you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can never be good enough for it. And by God, you can never do anything so bad that you can't qualify for it. It is something that is so different than anything that you and I even can understand That it can only be attained through belief, through faith, through opening up your heart to God. I wish that I could come down and I wish that I could give you a pill right now and say, if you take this pill, you will have faith and you'll just, everything will be fine in your life and you'd be like, give me that thing and you'd swallow it. But faith is mysterious and we don't like that. There was a teacher that came up to Jesus one time. And he said, Jesus, I want to know how this whole faith thing works. This guy that came up to Jesus knew his business. He was a religious teacher. His name was Nicodemus. And Nick comes up to Jesus at night because he's scared of his friends seeing him associate with this wacko Jesus. And he comes up to him at night and he's like, dude, there's something about you that I can't put my finger on. But I think it's real. And I think it's God. And I want to know how do you get eternal life? And you know what Jesus says to him? It still blows me away. Jesus doesn't say, Nicodemus, you have to say this simple prayer, and you have to do all these simple rituals, and you have to do all this stuff to change your life. Nicodemus, Jesus says, Nicodemus, I want you to look at the trees. You see how the trees are moving because of the wind? Well, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of it. He says, that's how faith is you got to be born again. And he's like, oh, man, mind blower. How am that supposed to work? How are we supposed to get born again? And Jesus is like, it's not a human deal, man. You have to open your heart up to God. And he will come in. I want you to pray with me. Would you just bow your heads? Those of you that have never been in church before, Just close your eyes for a second. And if you've never prayed before, I'm going to dare you to say a simple prayer. If you have never prayed before, I dare you to say these simple words from your heart, God, show me who you are. Say it from your heart right now. Say, God, show me who you are. When we say a prayer like that to God, when we say from our heart the simple words, God, show me who you are, he answers that prayer. And he will come. He will be near you. And the Bible says that he will reveal himself to you. God, I pray for every person in this room right now. God, I pray that you would take them past their fears. And God, I, take, I pray that you would bring them to a place of faith. God, grant faith to every heart in this room right now that they would be able to open up to you and receive you into their life. Jesus, we need you. We choose you. We want you. In the front of this room and off to the sides, we have tables set up that have bread and juice on them. And in just a moment, we're going to lead you through a spiritual exercise that Christians have been doing for thousands of years. There's a lot of names for it. Some of us call it communion. Some of us call it the Lord's Table or the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. There's many names for this. But what it is at its core is an opportunity for us to connect with God in simplicity and in purity. And we come to these tables every Saturday, and we grab a piece of bread, and we dip it in simple juice, and then we offer it to God, and we say, God... I want to remember everything about what you've done for me. I want to remember why I am here tonight, and I want to remember what it was like when I opened my heart up to you and salvation happened. For those of you that are here tonight that have never done this before, I don't want you to be scared of these tables. As a matter of fact, I invite you to come as an act of faith and to take this bread And with faith, say to God, by faith I receive you, Jesus. I want you in my life. And as the first act of my faith, I want to take this bread and this juice that represents the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Jesus. I want to be a part of you, Jesus. I want to be known as yours. And in this moment, by faith, there's a spiritual transaction that takes place where God supernaturally washes and forgives every sinful and bad thing that you have ever done in your life. And the Bible says that He makes you white as snow, pure, unbelievable. And so we're going to sing another song together, and we're going to worship God together. And during this moment of worship, I invite you to come, and I invite you to take this bread and this juice and then go somewhere, kneel at your seat, come up to the altar, do something that says to God, I'm taking some time to go through the steps and to go through the process of letting you speak to me, God, because, God, I want to be with you in this moment. Would you come?
0: You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.